Welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Krause. Here we are in fall 2021. If you're like me, you might be finding that the COVID time vortex is still making it hard to keep track of what year it is, much less what month, but thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I know for many of our listeners, the passage of time might be the least of your worries, but I hope as you're listening to this episode, you are safe and well and able to enjoy this little time thinking about science. Believe it or not, this is the beginning of season six for our podcast, and I am super excited to launch this year with an interview with Olivia Genius and Jerry on Streets, the co-founders of Black in Nanotech. We talked with Olivia and Jerry on back in March 2021, as you'll hear uh, from our discussion of COVID vaccine news at that time. You can catch up on some of their more recent activities on Twitter. We'll link to their individual accounts and Black and Nanotech, as well as their website in our show notes. My co-interviewer for this episode is Beza Tuga, a graduate student in the NSF Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology. So without further ado, here's our interview with Olivia Genius and Jerry on Streets. Awesome. Thanks, Miriam. Um, as Miriam mentioned, I'm Beza. I'm a second year chemistry graduate student at the University of Minnesota. I'm also a graduate student in the NSF Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology. Um, I'm very excited to be hosting uh, Olivia and Darian here, and I'll actually pass it on to them to introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name is Jarion Streets, and right now I'm currently a senior biological scientist um, at the University of South Florida, studying nanotechnology and um, different nanomaterials um, for different drug delivery. Hi, my name is Olivia Genius. I am currently a fourth year PhD student at the University at Buffalo in physical chemistry, specifically nanotechnology. Um, currently, I am developing a nanoformulation that is suitable for targeted therapy of hypoxic regions of glioblastoma. Awesome. Thank you. All right. To get us started, can you tell us about how you got interested in science and what projects you're currently working on or things you've been excited about in the past? Olivia, would you like to start? Sure. So I obtained my physics and public health degree from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Um, My interest in science started, I would say at a really young age, I was always like into science and math in high school. And high school is when I really started my interest in physics. And I was fortunate enough to have a really great physics teacher in high school who saw great potential in me and definitely pushed me towards that field. Um, So I wanted, my goal was a career in medicine and like a career that makes science and health. Um, So at 17, I had no idea what (laughs) that field was. So I went with physics and public health because it made sense at that (laughs) when I was younger, but it wasn't until now um, being in the field of nanomedicine, I see that I'm finally actually doing that combination, um, utilizing what I'm doing, what I'm making in lab and applying it to a biological problem. Very nice. Yeah. Jarian, do you want to? Yeah. So I got started. Um, my original plan was to go to medical school. So in undergrad, I attended Florida Gulf Coast University, go Eagles. I majored in biology and I had a pre-professional concentration. It was a pre-med track. And towards the end of my senior research, I had a really good mentor, one of my professors. Um, I'll actually say her name because she definitely deserves her credit. Dr. Mm-hmm. Carrie J. Lee, one of her research groups. 
because at, at FGCU, it's mandatory that you do like a senior research project. And so she had like some spots left and I was like, I don't really know what nanotechnology is, but I'm just going to go for it. I'm very glad that I did because during that time, like our project, it was a group project, but our project focused on um, using silver nanoparticles for detecting the optics of MRSA cells with the activity of the the nanotechnology, the, the nanoparticles going inside and outside. So we would observe that in real time. Um, and I, I really liked that. And from there, I ended up finding a program that she knew about, that she told me about, and she encouraged me to apply. And the program was fairly new, not even a year in. And she was like, I think you should apply to this Masters of Pharmaceutical Nanotechnology program that kind of just started at the University of South Florida. And I was like, okay, I'll try. And at this point, like I was very optimistic. I mean, I had not given up on my dream of, you know, being a doctor, but I was taking a different route. And so I applied for the program, got into the program. I graduated um, last year, um, 2020. And from there, like I really liked the projects that I was involved in, because even for that program, it was a research project that was mandatory. Um, There was a research track, like they had an entrepreneurship track and a research track. And so I chose the research track. And from there, like I did my research with um, looking at the posterior segment of the eye, studying, you know, the ways that the nanoparticles would go inside and, you know, work with different drug delivery methods. I, I really kind of fell in love with it at a point. And so even now, I was fortunate enough after I defended my thesis, I was fortunate enough to secure a job at that same university, kind of doing the same things and working with nanoparticles right now as well. Um, so I, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I still have dreams of going to medical school. I'm just taking a different route. I'm taking the research route. But yeah, that's my science origin story. And I honestly, I still love where I am. Yeah, that's great. I think I also kind of like resonate with what both of y'all said and thinking about how like, I was like, oh, I didn't know nanotech was even a thing until I like met someone that was like, oh, you could do this. So I guess as a follow-up to what you both said, what advice would you give for people that are either in high school or like in undergrad, still starting out, trying to find their way and navigating this big science field? Or essentially, what advice would you give yourself uh, in the past? Darion, would you like to start? Yeah, I'll start. So I always, and I'm glad you actually said that because I was, I'm always the person I try to put myself back to what I would have wanted to hear back in that time. And so I didn't, you know, really have a science background. So I wasn't really sure what I was walking into, but my advice to, you know, the younger generation is take a chance, do something that you don't think you want to do and just do things that, you know, may seem daunting at first. Challenge yourself is what I would say. Because during that time, I was taking physics. I was like, don't want to do that. No offense, Olivia. <laughs> and, and and then I was, you know, like taking other classes, chemistry, not my thing. I was like, okay, I got to find some type of, you know, sweet spot here. And so biology was my sweet spot. I mean, of course, biology is very broad, but you just have to find find yourself. I feel like once you find yourself, I mean, not even taking academics out of it, once you find yourself, it's easier to find and gravitate towards the things that you like to do, or at least things that you think you would like to do. And then I would say from there, act on it, you know, start going to conferences, even if none of the stuff makes sense, just, just go try different things. I said that earlier, but I mean, just Honestly, it's just being optimistic and being having going into things, having an open mind. Don't go, you know, having a closed mind saying, "Okay, I only want to do this specific thing, because as most of us know, none of us are probably on the track that we 
you know, probably set out to do like when we were younger. So it's, it's always a, a journey of, I can say the main point is finding yourself inside and then acting on, you know, those interests. And, and once you find your sweet spot, delve into it and find a good mentor as well. That's what I would say too. Olivia. Yes, I think Jarion said majority of the things. Excellent. It's so funny because biology is actually not my strongest suit. So it's like opposite. Uh, advice for that's a really tough question, but I think two important things. The first, um, Jarion touched upon is everyone's journey is different. There is no straight route to get to where you want to be or where you think you should be. So I know like for me, an undergrad, I had like a set timeline for myself and it just doesn't work. And like, once the timeline is shifted, I'd get so frustrated and stressed out about it. And, but now that I think about it, you know, now that I'm here and I'm thinking back about it, um, which brings my second advice, which is it does get better. It really does. Whether it's academically um, whether it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it does get better because not only are you going through challenges and obstacles, but you're learning from them and growing from them. So there is no right path, but the right path is whatever you go through. Very nicely put. Yeah, I agree with what both of you said. So now shifting gears and talking more about Black and nanotech, can you tell us about the Black and X movement in general, kind of like its origins for our listeners that may not know, and why you decided to start Black and Nanotech specifically. Uh, Olivia, would you like to start? Sure. So the Black and X movement was intended to address the longstanding inequality in STEM. Embedded in the underrepresented minority group, this movement greatly helped Black scientists to unify and highlight their visibility and representation. So with Black and Nano, which is what um, Jarion and I founded, it's an extension to the Black and X movement. And specifically, it's intended to celebrate Black scientists in their respective disciplines in the field of nanotechnology. So through that initiative, we are, you know, highlighting um, the barriers that us as people of color and as Black students and Black professionals are facing within that field, especially because nanotechnology is not a known field, as we all know here. So, and as it's developing and as it's developing, um, I definitely want to see an increase in people who look like me in that field. Because if you look at like Black nanoscientists right now, they are contributing so greatly to this field and they're doing things that are amazing. And a great example is Dr. Hadia Green. Um, her research is phenomenal. So that's why we started it. Anything to add, Jerrion? Um, she kind of touched all the bases, but yeah, definitely kind of the origin for Black and nanotechnology was because I didn't see any movements for data on technology. I mean, that was the thing. I was like, okay, I see black in cancer, black in neuro, black in, you know, engineering. And I was like, okay, where do I fit in? <laughs> so that's why I, I, you know, came up with this idea. And then, you know, Olivia was on board as well. And once we kind of had, we had one conversation and it was from there because we both shared the same like mission, the same, like we wanted to see more of us in that field because it is not a large field as she mentioned earlier, but it is definitely important that we who are in the field now 
kind of open the door for younger scientists. I mean, even people that are not traditional scientists, people that may find interest in something and, you know, start all over, even as adults. But I think the main point is that representation matters and the Black and X movement is kind of a collective. First, people, let's, for example, they're looking for their spot in the science world because definitely science is very broad. I mean, you've got all types of disciplines. <laughs> you can, it's easy to get lost. And so with that group, it's easy to find your identity in terms of your field, whether you're in cancer, nanotechnology, engineering, computer science, whatever your STEM or STEAM, you know, field is, it's very important that, you know, the younger generation sees that they are represented. I mean, even though we're few, but we're mighty. Um, and so our, our goal is to kind of get the word out there and, and put ourselves out there so that they can see, even though it is a hard, challenging field, it's possible. Like that's the main idea. Can I ask really quick, uh, sorry to hop in, did you two know each other before at all or how did you? Not at all. We literally met through um, the Black and Chem um, roll mm-hmm. call and then we just messaged each other <laughs> on Twitter yeah. and I saw one of her um, tweets that, you know, Jarion, you tweeted, oh, is there a Black and Nano? Where's Black yeah, and Nano? Yeah. I was just like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's where we started. And especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, like everyone's mm-hmm. kind of online. So I was like, because oh, I'm not even going to lie. Like at first I was like, this may be a shot in the dark. So when I put that tweet out there, I was like, I don't really know if I want to get the engagement, but I know that I had started, you know, especially during like Black and Chem Week, even during like Black and Neuro Week, like I started seeing people that had like, you know, I'm working with nanoparticles. And I was like, mm-hmm you're working with nanoparticles. And I was like, I'm interested. And so like, I would start, you know, I think I started a, I did start a list, like just recruiting people. Like, I think at Beza, I sent you a message. I was like, Hey, I see, you know, you posted, you know, you were working with nanoparticles. Can I just add you to this list? And from there, it was just a small community, but I was like, I was, I'm not surprised, but I was very happy to start finding, you know, people that I mean, look like me, but we're also in the same field because like we said earlier, it is not a large field, not really known about. And so to find even just a few people, it was it was a blessing. So that's why I'm just super excited, you know, that we found each other and we started to work on this initiative. And I mean, we have so much more ground to cover, but that that was just like the catalyst of the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, thanks for asking that, Miriam. I think it was like right on my mind to always be like, oh, did they know each other beforehand? Um, But yeah, I think I very much understand what you mean in the sense that you have this traditional black and chem, black and neuro, like these strict disciplines. But then with nanotech, it's so interdisciplinary that you're like, oh, like, do I fit in this box or this box? So I definitely see what both of you are saying, and you've explained it very clearly. So thank you for that. Um, Are there any specific black and nano projects that y'all are excited about? I'll let, oh yeah, I'll let Olivia answer that question. <laughs> so um, we're currently partnering with a nonprofit organization called Emo Haiti, and we are helping to develop STEM skills and technology to Haitian students who are currently living in Haiti. So we created the Haiti National Robotics Competition, which aims to inspire and empower young innovators. So they are going through a six-month intensive program that started at the end of January and will end around June. 
And the program is designed to build a robot and that can identify a local issue and solve local problems. So these students, keep in mind, they are currently in Haiti. So the resources and um, guidance that they would benefit from here is definitely limited in Haiti. So we sent out um, robotics kits for them. Um, They are taking coding classes. They're taking workshops, mentoring sessions in order to support them. Schools in Haiti are closed because of the political issue. So we definitely want to keep them, keep their mind focused and keep their mind um, still learning. Um, But it seems like they're really enjoying it and they're really engaged and they're picking up their robotics kit tomorrow. It made it safely. Um, That was definitely one of the struggles because initially someone was supposed to fly with the robotics kits and then distribute them. But again, because of the safety issues, we decided to go with the shipping company and there were a lot of delays, but they get to pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And I think even with the current pandemic and having that done, I think is, is really cool and really exciting. Yeah, it's all virtual. So there, we got them on Zoom. The workshops are on Microsoft. So it's it, it's great. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, I think one thing that I always like to think about is is like long term, like where you see this Black and Nano expanding to. So let's say like five years down the line, we've had five different Black and Nano weeks. Um, what do you hope to have this organization grow into? Um, I would just say, like I said, there's a lot more work to be done, not only with just our organization, but with other organizations. But like I said, it goes back to representation. So I know that me and Olivia have talked about, you know, starting up mentorship for younger students. I mean, graduate students, undergraduate students, high school students, and maybe even middle school students that may be interested in the field or at least opening their brains up to getting to this level. Because definitely if you start throwing out certain things from nanotechnology at kids, they're just going to be like, no. And so, yeah, so I know that we've been talking about mentoring ventures and Emo Haiti is one of the things that um, is kind of representative of that right now. But also, you know, even just in our own local areas, people have reached out to me, students have reached out to me like, oh, I saw that you're involved in this. Can you explain this to me? And I mean, that's that's kind of where the major impact is for us is just inspiring those younger scientists or just those younger people. I mean, they don't have to be scientists, but inspiring, you know, the younger generation, because it's definitely important that they see that it's a field that's not gatekept, if that's a word. Um, But it's definitely our mission to continue on. And I mean, I know that we also had talked about maybe having like an in-person conference once everything with COVID is kind of safe again. I'm really looking, looking forward to that. But then, like I said, just continuing our engagement online, social media. We're still working on getting our team. I mean, we have a team, but getting, you know, more people on our team um, to, to kind of work together and, and just get the message out there and just get people involved and get them excited about science, but also about nanoscience specifically. Olivia, do you have any thoughts? She said, <laughs> I think you say everything. Yep. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, We know the importance of representation and we believe that it starts at a really young level Um, rather than starting the recruitment in undergrad. Let's teach them at a young kids um, and gain their resources. We're actually working on a partnership with a school in Atlanta called Rex Mill STEM Middle School. So it's a middle school and elementary school. And 
the opportunities in that area is really limited. So the teachers, the principal, they want to bring more STEM into their students' classrooms and basically train their teachers as well how to, you know, to better interact with their students and to give them um, more science-related or math-related um, opportunities so that they can gain that skills and see where they can take it as they move up in their grades. Hmm. Very exciting. Say, I, we're actually running short on time already. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for all this wonderful information. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was if our people who are listening to this podcast, if they, whether they're scientists or not scientists, if they're in the field of nanotech or not, where would you send them to learn more and maybe get involved or support Black and Nanotech? Just give a, give a pitch for where people should go next. Do you want to? <laughs> yeah, I'll just look. I'll just go ahead and say, it. I mean, because there's so many different resources. Um, of course, they can start with us. Our social media is Black in Nanotech on Instagram, Twitter. We do have a website. It's Black in Nanotech Technology.org. Technology. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. We'll put. We can put links in the show notes. Okay, yeah, I was going to say so sorry. Inst- yeah, no, it's fine. It's it's definitely confusing. Well, and I know sometimes we say Black and Nano for short. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So our Twitter and Instagram is at Black and Nanotech, and our email address is Black and Nanotech at gmail.com and our website is Black and Nanotechnology.org. Yep. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Um, those are technically all the questions I had. I don't know if, if y'all had any last minute things to add or comment on. Yeah, what do you think? Um, we have podcast listeners. What would you like people to know about your your work about this organization? Anything? Um, I guess another thing that you know we have for that I noticed during the pandemic that I hope that Black and Nano expands upon is reaching out to um, the public and like science education and science communication. I realized there was a lot of misinformation and miscommunication during the whole vaccine um, development. And so, you know, I understand those point of view of the audience. And I also understand, you know, as a scientist, I know that, you know, I understand the science part of it. So communicating that to our loved ones or the public in a way that is broken down without the use of jargon, and that is clear and transparent is what we definitely need to work on as scientists and as an organization. And I know that Jarion also agrees with that we definitely want to better relate our science to our audience because not everyone is you know not everyone will be interested in the science and not everyone you know will be a scientist so I I really want them to understand what is going on in our world as well because it benefits their world so now we can't let you go without asking what's your what's your favorite way to explain how does what does nanotechnology have to do with COVID-19 vaccines (laughs) <laughs> That's actually a good point, because I was actually going to add on to what Olivia said. Mm-hmm. Just nanotechnology in general, um, the trajectory for it for the next, I would say, even five years, truthfully, mm-hmm. um, just seeing that it's being used in everything. I mean, in your engineering fields, in your medicine, in your skincare products. I mean, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. And especially I was super excited to find out and I'm not an expert, so sorry if I mess it up, but like one of the vaccines that is currently out is using lipid nanoparticles and it's just yeah Pfizer and that's the one I'm getting tomorrow so like it's super exciting to know like oh I know what this is um but definitely I mean to the listeners it's definitely a good field to get into it's kind of like knowing about a stock like knowing that it's going to be a good investment 
I mean, like I said, just being on the inside and knowing like this is literally the future, like this is the next big thing, as they say. Um, so just you don't have to understand everything to get here. Cause like I said, when I started, I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, oh, this looks cool. It's just get into it because it's definitely gonna be, I mean, even more everywhere. Exactly. It's gonna be in everything in the next, I would say the next five years. A lot of people say 10 years, but I'm like, the next five years, the way technology is progressing. I know, yeah. right? Yeah, like you like you're it's a good investment. I mean, I'm like one of those inside stock traders. Like I'm telling you what to invest in before you actually do it. So take my advice, get into the field somehow. I mean, even if you don't like it, you know, you still had a part in something that was pretty popular at the time. So it just get into it. I mean, go ahead first you know, don't be afraid of it. That's the main thing. I mean, cause it's everywhere. And especially with the vaccine, like I said, that was like right on target. Cause it happened like right after we did black and nano week. So I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like effective science communication. And I think you put it very perfectly. So yeah, I definitely agree. A lipid, do you have like a 30 second, here's what a lipid nanoparticle is in the vaccine that you could give us? Sorry to put you on the spot. Definitely put on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what the thing is for me, it's when I explain something, I realize that I use a lot of jargon and I'm finding a way to like the appropriate wording so that it makes sense when I'm explaining it will take me a little bit more than 30 seconds. Totally. I understand. That's cool. And that's one of the, I think for a lot of scientists, honestly, like that's like a realization of like, oh, the way I talk about this with my colleagues all the time. It's so easy because they understand what I'm saying. Like people tell me to break down my research and I'm stuck when it's my research. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, uh. (laughs) Yeah, I had a similar situation where I was, I think I had like a very long day in lab and I was talking to my mom actually. And my mom is Ethiopian. So she speaks Amharic and she was like, oh, like what's going on? Like, why isn't it working? And it probably took me an hour to like properly understand what it was, interpret it into another language and then explain it. And then she was still like, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's like when you expand it to more of a global audience, it's more like, ooh, okay, we need to take a a step back and, you know, find the right words. And yeah, it needs a lot of care. For sure. Because even with me trying to explain like my master's degree, everyone's like, what's that? And I'm like, do you have time? Because it's going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a while to explain. So I, I cannot like, explain that. Like, it took me two years to get to this point. So give me a second here to like, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. I'm so glad we were able to find a time. Yeah. No. Um, yeah and sorry for the delays and back and forth. But we got it. <laughs> we got it. We did. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of the Sustainable Nano Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you again to Jerry on Streets and Olivia Genius for taking the time to talk with us and to Bezatuga for conducting the interview. I'm sorry it took me half a year to get the episode out. I asked Olivia and Jerry on about a follow-up uh, about their Haiti robotics program, and Olivia emailed back. She said, unfortunately, due to the situation in Haiti, the president's assassination, the earthquake, etc., we had to end our robotics program early. Thankfully, most of our students were able to complete their robots and are in the process of recording and showcasing their work. She also shared a GoFundMe site for Hospital Bernard Mevs and Project MediShare to help victims of the Haiti earthquake. So we'll link to that in our show notes as well. 
This podcast is produced by the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which is funded by the U.S. National Science Foundation. Our usual disclaimer, though, the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the National Science Foundation. Our music is by PC3 and Dexter Britton. Want more Sustainable Nano? You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast or Stitcher, and you can hear us on the National Science Foundation's Science Zone Radio, or listen to any of our episodes and see show notes at podcast.sustainable-nano.com. That link was broken for a while, so I apologize if you have had trouble connecting to our site, but it is fixed now, and I encourage you to check it out. That's podcast.sustainable-nano.com. We also have a blog with hundreds of posts, mostly written by students in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which you can find at sustainable-nano.com. And you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, though mostly we're active on Twitter, at Sustainable Nano, all one word. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to the Sustainable Nano podcast. And remember, little things can make a big difference. <laughs>